sermon with you called The God of the Storm. And y'all remember that. Matter of fact, I got some texts from some of you that really meant a lot. Some of you right in the thick of the storm as um, trees were coming down on your property. And it was very encouraging that God just directly took his word and spoke it into a fearful part of your, your day and experience. But, but I said something, and I want to share it again, in that sermon. And actually, Tom Hurd reminded me of it later this week. So let me share with you what I read and then what he said that I thought was so telling. I, I shared this in last week's sermon called The Day Before the Day. Have you ever thought about the fact that after every catastrophic event of your life has a day before. The day before your child died. The day before you said goodbye to a loved one for the last time on this earth. The day before a terrible health diagnosis. The day before you lost your job. The day before a tornado destroyed or fire destroyed your home. <laughs> the day before a terrible car accident. The day before. If we look back at the things like this in our lives, uh, we all could probably remember the day before such events took place. Seemed like every other day, but little did we know that our world would be turned upside down the very next day. Oh, that we would live each day like we wish we would have lived had we known it was the day before. Remember to cherish each moment God gives you, but hang on to people and things loosely and to God tightly. Doug Hiles, or Dave Hiles said that. And then I added in that sermon last Sunday, I said, we have no idea what our, our lives are going to look like on Wednesday when we go to meet again. We have no idea what life is going to look like next Sunday when we gather to worship. And little did I know, Tom said, little did you know that you were talking to yourself. And that's true. So I wanted to share this. Some of you saw this, some of you didn't, but this will kind of set up. Um, this kind of uh, what I want to talk to you about today, not only the God of the storm, but the God of the fire. Take a listen. Dealing with the aftermath of Irma, one Megan pastor, his wife, and eight children were without power for three days. Nicole Butler spoke with the family on how their world turned dark when the lights finally came back on. Living in darkness for three days. It wasn't until 8-10 Wednesday night the Jettle family's power was restored to their home. But it came at a price. The family returned home from church, finding the place they've built so many memories destroyed. And waves of black, horrible black smoke came out. And then it hit me, the house is on fire. Pastor Paul Jettle says the house was a total loss. And then to walk through this charred wasteland that sort of looks like what it was, but it sure isn't. It, it's just shocking. Wow. It's weird to be walking over your family picture. But not everything was destroyed. Paul found their wedding album practically untouched. It's a little damp, but, oh, I think it's going to be okay. But Paul says he wishes that he could bring back something even more precious. Their 12-year-old dachshund, Schnitzel. He passed away in his favorite chair from smoke inhalation. I just hate it. If I could have just come around that corner, I might have got him. Burying their beloved family member under the small mound in the backyard. A lot of good memories of that little fella. Walking through the sludge, Paul searched through the rubble for anything else they could save. Look at this. 
Jackson's little hand. We got the real Jackson. That's what matters. Checking on the rooms, he was able to find some light in the darkness. This isn't too much unlike how they kept their room. <laughs> <laughs> he says it's hard not to be positive when he sees so many blessings around him. His family is safe and the community's love is pulling them through. I know what the love of God looks like, what it feels like, and that's exactly what we've experienced. In Macon, Nicole Butler, 13 WMAZ, Eyewitness News. Wow, the family is... All right, that, that's what happened Wednesday. So some of you, you know, you've, you've heard that and, and, and you've heard the whole story. It was just kind of crazy. I was obviously still here at church. And um, when church got over, I thought I saw something on Facebook that said, oh, power's not restored. We were really hopeful that we'd get power back. I thought I saw something that said it wasn't. I did. It just wasn't our area. Um, and so I told my wife the power hadn't come on. Well, then she went on and looked and said, oh, the, no, it did. There's a big thing. Power's on in Awanasa. So they were so excited. Ellie raced home. And all she did was drive by and see that the lights run. And she got back here. And Elizabeth and Sam uh, left to go home. Who? And Jack uh, to go home. So excited. And... Uh, when she got there, she thought it was weird that just the porch lights were on because we thought for sure we had left other lights on in the house. And when she opened that door, um, just a wall of hot smoke billowed out of the house. And somewhere in there, I don't know exactly where, I got a call from Sam saying that uh, we had borrowed a generator earlier that day. And Elizabeth had even told me about some generator fires. So that kind of made me nervous. Anyway, so I made sure it was way away from the house a brand new generator. He said, Dad, something's wrong with that generator and there's smoke coming out of the house. And I said, get around in the back of that house right now. I said, be very careful. And there's a kill switch on that generator. Hit that kill switch. And so he said, okay, I got to get off the phone. I need to use it for a flashlight. And so I'm trying to get home. And uh, apparently I got behind somebody who doesn't realize that there's a gas pedal in the car. <laughs> And uh, I am telling you, I thought at first it was memory, but because it was the same color car. You drive very slow, memory. <laughs> That's why you're late all the time to church. You just drive real slow. <laughs> and and, uh, and I'm just, I'm anxious to get home and thinking that, we, we know, we got a, the generator smoking. And I was like, oh, man, I just borrowed that. I'm, I'm going to have to replace this generator. That's really what I was thinking. And, and then to pull in and see what, that it, generator or not that that house was it wasn't just a little smoke and then it was coming out of the house and i heard my wife say to me i had who did i have with me ben and emma and i don't even know where they went when we got i got out of the car but i heard my wife say to me the kids are next door with nick and sharon brown who nick was did the announcements today they're our next door neighbors and i heard that but it didn't click because the last thing in my mind is that Sam's in that backyard somewhere. But she told me he was next door, but it, that kind of scared me. It didn't make, I couldn't make the connection. And so I went to the backyard um, looking for Sam. And that's where the fire actually was. It was up coming out from underneath by the kitchen. And, and not just smoke, I mean serious flames. It was, it was up, in, up in flames, pretty good burning by that point. And I had a voice telling me the kids are okay, but I, I, I just couldn't act on it. It was the weirdest thing. So finally I came back around to the front and realized the dog was still in there. And I tried to, I tried to get back in that house, and I, I just, the heat literally wouldn't let me get in there. 
I got the keys out of the door and burned my hand doing that and moved the vehicles, and then the fire department was there. Uh, Nick and Sharon were great. Elizabeth came, ran over there when she discovered a fire and pounded on their door. Sharon said, I thought you were pounding on our door to celebrate the electric being back on. And, uh, and both of them called the fire department. Nick even tried to go in looking for the dog, and Elizabeth wouldn't let him do that, which was wise. So what's that got to do with today? Elizabeth said, are you, are you going to, should we get someone to preach today? I said, absolutely not. I said, I, I, I need to share, you know, what's happening. And, and, and the word of God says, David said, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And here's what's happened. Scripture verses begin to flood my consciousness, come back from memory. Just like all those gallons of water flooded our home from the fire department for which we were thankful and they put out the fire. Um, God's word extinguished the anxiety that I felt and I'm still feeling at every turn. And, and one of the first verses that came to me was Romans 8, 28, and we know that <coughs> God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, in a few minutes, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. That's one of the most um, abused verses in the Bible, really, taken out of context. And it, and it only slightly fits our context, and I'm going to tell you about that in a minute. But other passages, such as Matthew 10, where Jesus is sending his, his disciples out, and he said, look, God's, my Father knows what's going on. He said, Two, uh, a sparrow is, is sold for two farthings, 30 minutes of work, uh, you know, pennies. And not one sparrow falls without my father's consent. Not, and that's an amazing thought. And, I, and he said, even the hairs of your head are numbered. That God, God is, and I, I think I said it last week in the sermon, that God is the ultimate micromanager of the universe. He really is. He's got his hands in everything. He breaks all of the rules of the leadership books that are written today. But it's because he's God and we're not. And we learned that in a very powerful way uh, Wednesday night. So um, my wife shared something on Facebook that I thought was just, just so good. And if I wanted to share it with you, it's very short, but it was a post. I guess this was Thursday at 8 at night. She said, 24 hours ago, my biggest concern was if the power had come on at our house. Today, I watched as Georgia Power cut the lines to our house and severed that long-awaited power, and I really didn't care. 24 hours ago, I was feeling irritated by my kids for being kids. Today, I hugged each of them for a long time, and thank God that there wasn't a different outcome last night. 24 hours ago, I knew I had lots of friends and family that loved us. Today, I watched those friends and family, and even some we didn't know, uh, pour out generosity and love upon our family over and over. Last night, I was overwhelmed with the thought of losing everything we owned, and especially our dog. And tonight, I'm overwhelmed with how much we have gained in a day. Thank you does not seem to say, to be enough to say to so many friends and family. You have blessed us beyond measure. I pray God blesses you and yours back in return. My mother reminded me of a verse in the Bible that promises beauty for ashes, and that is exactly what God has done for us today. Um, to be truthful with you, 
I feel like I've been living in a blur of reality since Wednesday night. Um, it's just weird. People showed up while the house was burning. I texted my insurance lady and I turned around and she was standing there. I didn't realize how close she lives. She lives in Wildwood. Um, Dale showed up. And I said to Dale, I said, so let me get this right, brother. I need to burn my house down for you to come to church on Wednesdays. <laughs> I'm just checking. <laughs> And Dale did what Dale does. Um, he was there through the whole thing, and when they finally let us go back in the house, there are actually two fires. They put the first fire out, and we were able to go back in and get some of the portable valuables out. It did not hit the back of the house, the first fire. Uh, just a lot of smoke damage, but the back was okay. So we got the portable valuables out, and Dale helped with that. My son Paul was there. He helped with that. Um, and then it, Dale and Paul were in the basement, trying to find uh, hammer nails and wood so we had to we had to nail up the back door because it was broken in before we left and uh, he sent Paul upstairs to get a hammer or to find a hammer and Paul noticed that the whole attic was on fire again um, and, a, and the fireman had stayed for that very reason uh, that had, had to stay three hours and we were about two and a half hours in and it was so dark they they couldn't tell that the attic was on fire. You couldn't even see the smoke because of how dark it was. And so he went out and told them. And then they came in with the big hose and a lot, a lot of water. And then that basically destroyed the back half of the house that was spared. But the blessing of that is we got some of the things out of those rooms before that happened. Um, and our little dog did die in that fire. And I, I if I could change one thing, if God said, I'm going to give you one thing you can change about Wednesday night, that would be it. That would be it. Um, he would have been on the line and been annoying, barking at all the firemen as they came to try to put the fire out. I would have loved if that was the case. And again, guys like Dale, and I've seen Dale do this in worse situations than ours, and I won't go into what that was, but I think he remembers what I'm talking about. But Dale came, and my oldest son, and buried that dog in the backyard for us and there's stuff like that that I can go so far and no farther and that's one of my no farther points and I've always been that way and thank God I have a son my oldest son for some reason I don't know how he does it um, as a even as a young boy of 12 he was able to do those hard things that that I just can't I could do it if I had to but why do that if you got a son that'll do it for you <laughs> And so I, I, it was amazing just to watch all that happen. Ellie, and that was her dog, and, and uh, she even took his little collar off. I, I couldn't do any of that stuff. Um, but while the fire was burning, my wife, she was obviously very upset, and, and I understand that. She said, doesn't this bother you? Are, are you not feeling this? And at that moment, I said, no. I said, what, what matters to me is sitting in Nick and Sharon's house and standing next to me. I said, the rest of that can be replaced or it will live very well in our memories. But what matters is in that house. Um, and, it's, and, and we're safe. And the next day, I, I felt a little just strange because I, I literally couldn't get the smile off of my face. You know, people were coming up to me telling me how sorry they were, and I was trying to act sad. And I'm sure they thought, this man is insane, which I probably am. Uh, I couldn't stop smiling just knowing that my family was safe. 
right? It was just really, it was so weird and so strange. But then my wife made a good point. Um, as that day wore on into, into Friday, adrenaline wore off. You know, the, I was still, I think, in fight mode and, and Thanksgiving mode. And then it got hard. Um, and then I had to walk through with adjusters. I'm still doing some of that. And, and then to look at all that and realize that, as Elizabeth said so well, that was a, the, in that house was the history of our family. And that history's gone. Um, then it starts to hit. So what, what, I, what I began to realize, and then my, my supervisor at one of the, my help link uh, route that I have, really good lady, Kathy, she's been through a lot of hard things in her life. She was, and she's very laid back, but she got very firm with me on the phone. And she said, you, that's what she said, you need to find space to grieve this. And you can't keep pushing. And I tell people that all the time. Now, if you've heard me do a funeral, I get after people in my funerals that you've got to grieve. You've got to find a space and create it, and you don't know how long you're going to be able to do that. So I'm good at preaching it. I'm really not so good at practicing that. So that has been tremendously helpful. Um, and then the blessings that people have poured out on us are, I don't, I don't even have a good word for it. Um, we're more overwhelmed with the response of the people God's put in our life than we are with what happened to us. If that, if that makes any kind of sense. Uh, we are extremely humbled. Um, another thing to brag on God, we stayed at mom and dad's house, of course, the first night just for a few hours. Um, kids slept. And as I was driving back to my home, and again, as a man, I'm just in task mode at this point. I'm thinking immediate future, what needs to be done? And I'm like, I love my parents, but staying at their house, someone's going to kill somebody if we have to stay there with them. And it's probably going to be them, one of us. <laughs> um, I said, what are we going to do? You know, like, besides tonight, we got to figure some lodging out. And then I had a thought. I said, you know, Mike Glaze, our deacon, he just recently relocated to North Georgia to his wife's house, who's, and he's got a fully furnished house sitting over there empty. And eventually he's going to rent that. And I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text Mike and see if we can just work something out. So I get to Mom and Dad's house, and I stayed in the car for a minute, and I had so many text messages. And it took me half a day just to go through and try to answer all of them and the phone messages. But I noticed I got one from Mike. So I clicked on it, and he said, I am so sorry to hear what's happening. He said, I will be, and they're three-plus hours away. They're way up there. He said, I'll be in Macon tomorrow morning, and I'm going to bring you a key, and you're going to move in my house. So <laughs> it was amazing, right? So I'm thinking i got to have a conversation with Mike, but God had the conversation with him before I got the chance to. And that's a God thing. It really is. And for a family of our size, you know, even the insurance lady on the phone said, yeah, apartment's not going to work for you. <laughs> And then when I told her, I said, well, let me tell you what, what's happened. She said, she said to me, she goes, that's amazing. She said, that is really a huge blessing. Um, so God opened that up. Now, that doesn't, here's what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean that something terrible didn't just happen. And something traumatic. And even tragic in the, in the instance of our dog. 
Um, and I think we have a, a temptation as Christians to think that we've got to put on some kind of happy face when we're going through hard times. And here's the thing. You won't find that in the Bible. You won't find that there. What Christians are are real. We should be the most real, see-through people on the planet. And that means that, yes, we hold things and even people loosely, but that doesn't mean that we aren't honest about the pain of losing those people and or things. That's being a true Christian and saying that even through the tears and even through the trial, we're still praising God. We're still loving God. We're still seeing God's blessing. That doesn't mean the bad didn't happen. It doesn't mitigate it. It doesn't undo It's not a scale. That's not how it works. Um, we just want to be real and walk that out. God bless my wife. I, I tell you, I, I am blessed with an amazing woman. And God just kind of put us together. We are two extreme. We could not be more different in some areas of our life. And, and like when stuff's happening, I'm, bad stuff's happening, I'm pretty good. It's after I'm not so good. She's not very good when bad stuff's happening, but she is amazing after. So God's kind of balanced this thing out in a weird sort of way. But, but I asked her, I said, would you be able to come up and say a few? And it's very hard because it's emotional. But uh, I asked her if she would want to come up and say some things. And she agreed to do that. So if you would encourage her a little bit and pray for her to be able to do this with some grace. I really don't know where to start. He's pretty much covered it all. Wow. <laughs> It, it was a traumatic evening. It was, it was hard. It was shocking. And thank God for Nick and Sharon. Thank yeah. God that he yeah. moved them in there. If there was nobody in there, I don't know how I would have managed because I was kind of out of my head and you just act on instinct. And I didn't even think to call 911. I just thought, run next door and tell them. And she, bless her heart, came out and got Jack, who was standing in the driveway watching everything play out. And Anna told me he was, he stayed at her house. And he said, where's mom and dad? And she said, they're at the church. And he said, is the church on fire? <laughs> so, and I told him this, I think this morning, that we'll move back to our house when they fix it all up. And he said, mommy, that's too scary. Oh. So he's, he's felt it more than we realized. Right. But God has blessed so much over and over and over. And, and through the, the trauma and the heartache and the tears, he has given us so much grace. If you would have asked me last Sunday, what would you do if your house burned and you had nothing left? I don't think I would have said I'd stand up there and be okay with it. But the grace of God is amazing, and that's all I can attribute it to. Yeah, that's true. But that doesn't mean it's still not sad. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad driving by our house with the plywood on the windows. Breaks my heart every time I see it. It's sad having to try and set up a new household in somebody else's house. I 
so thankful we have a place to go, but yeah. it's not our house. It's sad to try to explain to your kids what's happened and that the dog didn't make it, but God is still good. Yeah. And it's tough to have to just go through the myriad of things that you have to do after these types of things. I mean, we had no clue. No. We had no we clue. We still really don't. <laughs> no. But, but God has been so good. We got a text Monday, not Monday, Thursday morning, early, and a lady from our school said, we're going to take care of every book that you lost, all your, all, your, all your school books and then all your additional books. And they have. They have. Well, we have more than what we started with. Mm. Ann and I <laughs> sat in this room back here. That's why I couldn't have Sunday school in it. Sorting through kids' clothes for two and a half hours last night. That's how many have been donated. And it's amazing. And as we were sorting, we had such a good time. We laughed till we cried. <laughs> and that's the grace of God that I can sit there and sort through donated clothes because my children don't have any and laugh. Praise God for his blessings. Our, our, we have so much food at our house. Oof, yeah. One of the ladies he works with, an elderly lady, 82 years old, called me and said, I want to go shopping for you, but I want you to tell me the brand you use because I want to get what you want. And she bought bags and bags of groceries. Norma came and brought more bags of groceries. And... and there's just been so many people. Angela came and took my kids, took Jack and Emma to her house for 24 hours. They didn't want to come home. Jack cried when he had to come home. They had such a good time at their house. And there's just so many people that have blessed us like that, that we are very thankful, even though it's just, it's supernatural mm. that we're at peace mm. and we're okay. Amen. Thank you. And here's the thing, and we're going to have to do this at some point. Um, we're missing so many people, so many people, and we're we're trying to keep track. But it's it's so many of you and God's people all around the country has just been so incredible. It's so don't, please don't be offended. Our, our minds are everywhere this morning. But God has used you. And I told that lady, that reporter, I said, we know what the love of God looks like, what it feels like. We know what the love of God is. Um, we're very familiar with it. I said, and that's exactly what we're experiencing. It's extremely familiar. It's just we're usually on the other side of that, on the giving side, and now we're on the receiving side. And I felt funny about all that. I'm not going to lie to you. I felt funny about all that. I'm more comfortable on the other side, on the giving side. And, and I even told Elizabeth, I don't know if we can just, I don't know. And I'm trying to think of who said it. But somebody said, you need to let, my mom, very wise woman, <laughs> said, you need to let people bless you. And you don't need to stand in front of that. Right? My good buddy Will over here, he took me... Um, what would he call that, what we did the other Saturday? Skeet shooting? Sporting clays. Yeah, and it's the, you know, these little clay targets, they throw them. All of mine were safe. <laughs> right? So, so Will, 
Will texts me, and Will is, Will is a, and he's our, he's our realtor in Macon, and Lake Wildwood, he, he's the Lake Wildwood realtor, but he's also a hands-on guy. He's got to do something. He was on our CERT team when we were working the hurricane together, and he's the first guy that wants to be sent out to cut up a tree and get off the road. He's just one of these hands-on, want to do it. And he texted me, he said, what size are you? I got a bunch of Carhartt pants. And I told him, and I told him, he goes, oh, that's the same size I am. These are a little bit smaller. I'm like, yeah, I said, Omar, the tent maker, is my tailor these days. <laughs> I need to, Jay said to me the other day, when are we going to do another 40-day fast, Pastor? I said, man, it, it, we need to do one quick. And here's what he said. This blessed, I don't want you to know this really blessed me. He said, well, I've, I've only got, I've got four Carhartt pants in my size. I'll give you half of them. And I said, well, one of them would suffice. But, I mean, it's just stuff like that. And, that. and it reminded me of the verse in Scripture, different context. But Jesus said, hey, if that Roman centurion comes and, and makes you carry his stuff a mile, that was a law. You had to carry his backpack for one mile. He could only compel you to do a mile legally. And then you could drop that thing and go, go about your day. He said, you go too. If, 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 they, if they take your coat, give them your cloak also. Uh, here's a guy that is, does, he doesn't know it, but that's what exactly he's doing what the Scripture says. You know, and we've experienced the blessing of God. And the Scripture does say in Romans 8 and 28, and we know. See, that's the key. And we know. That means to experientially have tried it and seen it proven to be true. And we know that all things, including you know, and not just us. Apparently there were three fires in Macon. It started the same way ours did uh, when the power was restored. And two generator fires, and those were even worse than what we had right down the foundation. Um, but we know that all things, not just the good things, but the bad things. And, 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 and it's a bad thing that happened. That's the other thing. As Christians, sometimes we want to say, oh, no, that's a good thing. No, that's a bad thing. I'll walk you through that house and you tell me where there's something good in there. There's not. There's just not. It's a bad thing. It doesn't say that all things are good. No, what it says is that we, are, we, we know experientially that God works all those things, good, bad, and ugly. He works them together for good. And that word is interesting. To work together is two English words. In the Greek, it's one is synergeo from which we get synergy. And synergy is taking two elements that would not normally play nice together and putting them together and producing something positive. Two unlikely elements to join them together synergistically and create something new that neither could do by itself. Right? So God takes the bad and the good and even the indifferent and he, the things that you had never put together, and he, he forces them to join in your life to bring about good. Now, let me tell you about that word, good. Uh, it doesn't mean, it doesn't necessarily mean to your financial gain, because there's a lot of loss involved, right? It doesn't mean your emotional gain. It could mean a lot of losses, but good means good. Good means righteous and upstanding. And good is always your benefit. It doesn't mean it 
always is comfortable. So God takes the good and the bad, and he, two things that you wouldn't think go together, right? And he synergistically forces them to work together and molds them in such a way that it comes out to our benefit. What's our benefit? And I've always said this. You've heard me preach this for 17 years in this place. God's glory is your gain. God's glory is the benefit. The fact that God gets some of the attention and the fame and the credit for everything, that's your benefit. That's, that's the good that comes out. People ask me, what can I do? And, I, and I'm not being silly when I say it. I say, I don't have a clue. What do you need? I don't really know. I've been telling people today, I need some sanity. Um, but I didn't really have that before the fire, so <laughs> just being honest about that. Uh, what do you need? I don't know. How can I pray for you? And here's what I've been telling folks. Pray for wisdom. Because this is new to us. Wisdom for this, though. So that when this is all said and done, and through this whole process, God gets the glory. Pray that God would, would get every drop of glory from this that he's, he's brought about sovereignly into our lives. Pray that he gets the credit for it. Pray that he is magnifying. And I said this last Sunday. Go back and listen to that sermon last Sunday. And then listen to this one. I said last Sunday I was so excited about our Lake Wildwood emergency management team using the church as the, as the headquarters. A little bit easier to get in and out. There's a lot of trees at the spillway. We're afraid we wouldn't have access. Get stuck down there. So everybody that could help with a saw is stuck and can't get out. So we decided to do it at the church. And I was so thrilled because for 17 years, I feel like I've been hitting my head against a wall trying to dent this community. Try, even though we live here and we're a part of this community, I even had a lady uh, email me, very sweet lady. She just recently moved into Wildwood. And here's what she said. I didn't even know there was a church in Wildwood. And she lives here. And you know what? That's not her being indifferent. I'm going to tell you something. If you live in the back gate like, like we do, a lot of people don't ever come this way. And I don't, you know, and we've just never been able, I felt, to make a dent in this community for the gospel. And here we have the best people in Wildwood becoming very comfortable with our building. I was thrilled. And I said, and, I, and my prayer was, God, help me. Help me to take this further. Help. I don't want to lose the ground that's been gained in this new relationship. Help me to take it further. No matter what. Give me wisdom on how to make this, this relationship to tie it even tighter so that we can have a greater impact in this community. Well, guess what? God's doing that. I'm hearing from people in Wildwood that I don't even know that are, have just blessed us and want to know what's going on, what they can do to help. And, and I, I want to use that as a platform to tell them the rest of Romans 8. You see, because it's not, God doesn't just work all this stuff together for good. No, there's another, there's another part. It says, for those who are the called ones according to his purpose. This promise is for his people only. It's an exclusive promise. And what's the promise about? He defines good in the next verses. And let's look at that and then I'm going to close. I'm not going to, I can't hardly add anything to it. It says right there what is good. What's the end game, God? What are you doing here? Um, 
What does it mean to be called according to your purpose? And what is this good that you're working? Here it is in verse 29. For whom he foreknew, that those people he knew before the foundation of the world, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God, what, why are you taking all this stuff and bringing it into my life, the good and the bad? Because those are God's carving tools to make us look just like Jesus. And God said, I had this plan <laughs> before I even ever said, let there be. I planned to, to, to carve Jesus out of you. You're going to look just like my son when this thing's over. That's it. To be conformed to his image. Well, some things got to happen in order to be conformed to his image. And look what it says. You can't make it up. It's beautiful. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We're going to be just, we're going to be family. And it says this, Moreover, whom he predestined, those he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So God just works this thing backwards because he's not stuck in time. He made time. He rides above time. Really wild concepts that can blow the hard drive of your brain. But God works backwards. Matter of fact, the verse says he also glorified past tense. And we know what that means. That's the glorified body, the resurrection body. And, and, and if this is glorified, I want my money back. You know, I've often said, I'm going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger in heaven. You know, none of you are going to recognize me. I'm going to be buff. You know, all of this is going to move up here. <laughs> That's my glorified body. I'm going to have to wear a name tag just so you all know who I am. You know, and, and, but God uses past tense. Why? Because in God's economy, where God sits, it's already a done deal. Amen. He knew me in advance. And because he knew he was going to use circumstances and people just like you to chip away the flesh so that when it's all done, I look just like Jesus. He goes, well, I'm going to have to call that guy. And he did. August 2nd, 1982. Call me out of darkness into light. Well, I'm going to have to justify him. I'm going to have to do something about his sin. That's where Jesus comes in. You see, the call is no good if someone can't pay the difference. And the difference was huge, and God paid that debt for me on Calvary. He justified. So now he can look at me just as if I'd never sinned. And he did the same thing for you. He justified me. But it doesn't stop there. It says, and those that he justified, <coughs> he also glorified. And I know that in history, I'm not to that glorified part yet. But it is, it is such a reality that in the mind of God, I am. I'm already there. And because that and all this stuff is worked together, not so I can have a comfy life on earth, but so that I can have an eternity where all of this is true. This is the glory of the whole thing. And, and he says, because all that's true, he ends it by saying, so what do you say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up, him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And then he says, oh, and who's going to bring a charge against God's elect? Who's going to point the finger at you? It is God who justifies. 
Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now listen to this. Listen to this, Paul Jettle. Shall tribulation or distress or famine or persecution or nakedness or peril or sword? I spent 10 minutes this morning looking for my belt before I realized I didn't have one. And I just laughed. Can that separate me? No. He says this, As it is written, For your sake we're killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, listen church, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then he wraps it up by saying, For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, angels nor principalities, powers, nor things present, things to come, nor height, nor depth, listen, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I'm going to tell you something today. We, you people know us. Most of you know us very well. We do not try to hide our craziness. We don't try to be something we're not. And it's basically because we're lazy. It's too much work. Yesterday, we've been planning, the guys have been planning, some of us fellows have been planning this trip to Atlanta to go see the Atlanta United play soccer in a new stadium. And I agreed to drive because we had the gentle arc and I have a lot of room in there. And so I got home just in time to take a shower and get dressed. And then I realized all I have, I had these shorts on that my sister bought me, Atlanta United t-shirt that my son bought me. And dress shoes or muck boots i'm like i don't have sneakers so i had to go to the store and buy some sneakers really fast came home i said okay give me the keys to the van i'm late i gotta go pick these guys up can't find the keys now in our our regular house we have a key basket by the door and this key thing already became an issue so i found a basket in mike's house and i put it by the door and I just figured, people, there's a basket, keys in it. You, you know, had it there. We got it here. No keys. Who had the keys last? Ellie. Where's Ellie? She's at Walmart. Right? So we're tearing the house apart. Looking, and, and the reason she had the keys is because she knew I was taking the van, and she cleaned it for me. Right? So she's being nice. So I'm like, well, you know, she, that's not on purpose. We're going to find They're here somewhere. So we're looking, and time is ticking. Long story short, my head just about exploded. Uh, you know, I've, tr I've held this whole thing in all this time, and this, that was like the straw that broke the camel. I called her on the phone, and was I nice, Ellie? She's saying no. <laughs> I mean, I, lo I lost it over a, over a key, right? And Elizabeth, she does this thing. And if you ever see her do it, you know, you know I'm fixing to lose it. She comes up and she, she just puts her hand right here on my elbow. And there's something about that. It's like, it's like Prozac. It just calms me right down. And she, she, she puts her hands on my elbow and she goes, we all need just a lot of grace for each other right now. Everybody's at a 10. And I know you are. We're going to find those keys. It's, it's okay. And sure enough, literally five minutes later, we found the keys. Um, but I, I tell you that to say, you know, I'm, I'm, 
I'm doing great and terrible. At the same, and I'm not, I'm just normal. I'm like you guys. But this I know, and we know, that all things, God is synergistically forcing them together for good because he called me to be his own. And I, nothing that happens can separate me from the love of God. Matter of fact, truth be told, I've never experienced the love of God more than I have in the last, physically, through people, than I have the last few days. So this, this, this is true. I'm telling you the truth this morning. So where do we go from here? Um, I don't know. I have no idea what these next few days and months are going to look like. But I know that what I shared with you just now is true. And when my head's going to explode, and Elizabeth's not there to put her hand on my elbow, I've got a God who has his hands around my heart. And, and some of you may have to remind me, uh, Pastor Paul, don't forget that Romans 8.28 told us about. Right? I don't know. But I know that God is good and he's good all the time. Especially when things are bad. I wanted and prayed for an, a chance to really make a difference in this community for Christ. And, and I knew I needed a platform to do that. And I thought it was a hurricane. And it was. It was the beginning. What I didn't know is that God had a greater platform in mind that I never dreamt of. And that it would be costly. And it would also be beautiful. And that God was in control. So I'm going to ask you to do this for me. I'm going to ask you to partner with me. Keep, me, keep my head on. Help me keep my head on straight. And let's take what God has started. And all I want, all my wife wants, all my kids want, it's for God to make kingdom expansion out of what's happened. I just felt led this morning to go home to where we're staying to help Elizabeth um, get the kids ready. And I went there, and she was, she was already ready, which kind of surprised me um, that she would be ready that early with all the kids, and they were walking out the door. I said, well, why are you ready so soon? She goes, well, i got to go pick up the Awanasa kids, the neighborhood kids. They texted me this morning, I want to come to church. And my boys are so burdened for their friends that, you know, she's, she's going over there to pick up the kids to come to church. Right? This is what I, I want to see more of that. I want more of an opportunity. And next week we're going to see that on the beach. I don't know why. People think it's cool to come to church on the beach in your shorts. We actually do wear Hawaiian shirts when we baptize. You don't have to, but you'll see a lot of those next Sunday morning. People will come. They're going to hear the plain gospel. And they're going to hear the truth. As some of those new converts step into those waters and identify with Christ. Invite them. Say, come. Come and go to church on the beach in your shorts and sandals. Come hear about the man who wore sandals, who walked 
the same path you have walked and who died in your place and rose again three days later. D.L. Moody said this, if you want to draw a crowd, get on fire for God and people will come just to watch you burn. I have pledged my life to the gospel. And I know you have too. And if it takes this, then may God get every drop of glory. May it be used for his eternal kingdom purposes as we walk this out. I don't know where you are. Maybe you know about God, but you don't know him personally. Take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Jesus can meet you right where you are. He can take your biggest heartbreak and turn it into a hallelujah. And he will walk with you through the whole thing. And we're living proof of that. We're living proof of that. So pray for us as we walk this out. Not trying to be perfect or trying to be something that we're not. Thank you for being used by God to be a blessing to our family. Uh, in such abundance that it's overwhelming. And Elizabeth said this to me the other day. That whenever the house is done, we don't know when that's going to be. At Christmas or not, we're going to have a big open house and invite everybody to come and, uh, and, and see what God has done. And, and we invite you all to be a part of that. Just look on Facebook six to nine months from now. Lord willing, we'll, we'll be able to do that and use it for his glory. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you. I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you for the gospel. I thank you that... At 15 years old, even though I was a professional church kid that grew up in church, had more scripture memorized than the pastor did, <clears throat> and knew all about you, but I didn't know you personally. I thank you that at that age of 15, you woke me up to who I really was, and that was your enemy. I was not your friend. I was, I was your enemy, dead in my trespasses and sins. And at that moment, you woke me up to reality. And by your goodness, by your grace, you declared me righteous through the payment of your son. Nothing I did. And Lord, that truth has captured me from that, that day, the 15-year-old boy. And I thank you that you have not left me, not one of those days since. Here these 45 years later. May you use these circumstances for your glory completely. Let it be all of you. And may whatever is said and done on our part, may you get the credit for it. Because, Lord, this community needs Christ. They desperately do. It's the answer. The answer is the gospel. And I pray that you will use what has happened in our church family here uh, to create a platform that we can turn around and do this for other people and be your hands and feet. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for a weird sermon today. Just listening to, to kind of my heart. I just wanted to share it with you and kind of tell you where we are. Um, and I really appreciate you doing that.